Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but see the reproach to any people. Hello and welcome to Of God and Man, the show whose host can't give away his two cents. <laughs> it is great, tremendous, fantastic to get to be back with you. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at 210-854-8029. Or you can reach me by email at the letter B, the letter F, at bromfrench.com. That's the letter B, the letter F, at B-R-A-H-M, F-R-E-N-C-H dot com. I was remembering, reminiscing, if you will, just a little earlier today, Shane Chance and I grew up together. He is, has been one of my lifelong friends and will continue to be so. Several years ago, he and I were going to go out on his dad's boat. His dad was the pastor at the time. And uh, Shane and I were going to go out and we're going to go on Canyon Lake. Canyon Lake is a pretty good-sized man-made lake just outside San Antonio. And so we've picked up the boat. My brother was working for his dad. His dad was the pastor. And uh, we called up Lenny, my brother, and we said, hey, uh, we want to take the boat out. Lenny said, all right, it's good. And Lenny, uh, if I remember correctly, at least to our understanding, had said that the plug was in the boat. However, he did not mean that the plug was in the hole, um, but it was in the boat. We found it in the glove box later. <laughs> but to make a long story short, we've shown up at Canyon Lake and we've backed the boat in. We have untied. We've disconnected. I pulled the trailer and the truck out and the boat is now in the water. And as I make my way back to the boat where Shane is sitting in the boat, I see a crazy expression on his face. An expression that says, oh boy, we're in trouble. <laughs> and uh, fear has come across his face almost like as though he's saying, what is my dad going to do? And as I then peered down into the boat, I saw that water was coming on board. The cork, the plug for the boat was in the boat, but it was not where it belonged. It was not in the hole in the back of the boat. And so the water now has made its way up to his ankles, up to Shane's ankles, and quickly approaching his knees. Thank heavens there were enough people around that we were able to push the boat, and I had to move the truck back, and we managed to push the boat back onto the ramp, back onto the trailer, and pull it out, and then have to go through the problem of draining it. And there went our skiing endeavor, but we did manage to still go out and enjoy a fun time. I bring that up to bring up an interesting idea. You see, you and I are on a boat, if you will, called life. We are sailing the waters 
But some of us have missed the thing that plugs the hole. And so we find ourselves sinking. We find ourselves, we're giving a look, an expression to everybody else around us that says, oh boy, I'm in trouble. <laughs> My father's going to kill me. I've come out here and I don't know how I'm going to get back to shore. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this mess. Can I tell you what you really need is you need the cork where it belongs, having it in the boat, but not in the hole in the boat, does you no good. We've got the cork that we need. The cork that we need is the word of God. It's amazing how the word of God being brought into our lives on a daily basis will fill the leaks. It will plug the holes and it will help keep us afloat. Now, some of us others, we're not in the same situation that Shane and I found myself in. No, we're, we're in a little different situation. Our situation is we're in the boat, and the boat right now just doesn't really seem to necessarily be sinking. But we are adrift. We've got no sense of direction. No matter what way the wind blows, it seems to take us contrary to the direction that we want to go. The sails are too torn and tattered to do us any good. And so we set out what we thought was just a cruise life. But come to find out, we are now lost at sea. Wondering how in the world did we get here and how can we move forward from here and get to the destiny, the destination. Get to the dreams and the hopes of tomorrow that we have had for so long but now seem to be awry. What is the answer? Where do we turn from here? Where do we go? We would like to, if we could, even just stay where we are. But we don't know how to do that either. Can I tell you the answer is an anchor. You've got to have an anchor. If you've got the anchor, regardless of the winds blowing, regardless of the waves crashing against the side of the ship, if you've got an anchor, you'll be secure. You'll stay where you are. That anchor has got to be the only anchor in this world and in this life. There's only one anchor, and his name is Jesus. He is the anchor that you need. And when life rages and the storm winds blow, and you seem to be lost in the trouble, lost in the storm, that anchor will hold you firm and hold you tight. That anchor will bring you through. But on this ship, there are some that maybe we've, we're not necessarily concerned about that. We've, we've got the anchor a little bit. We've, we've got some relationship with Jesus. 
And maybe we're, we, we're not too concerned about the hole and the plug. We've, we've got a little bit of the word of God. We've got a little relationship with Jesus. But yet, the wind that seems to blow seems to be contrary to our destiny. Seems to be going and pushing us in the wrong direction. What you really need, what we really need, is the wind to blow in our favor again. But if the wind's going to blow in our favor, we're going to have to raise a sail. We're going to have to hoist the sails up again and allow that sheet to catch the wind and pray for the wind to blow again. Can I tell you, the last time the wind, or the first time we read where the wind blew was in an upper room in the city of Jerusalem. When that wind blew, that ship set sail. And it set sail for a destiny that would forever change humanity. The world would never be the same again because 120 men and women gathered themselves in an upstairs room in the city of Jerusalem and allowed the wind of Pentecost to blow into their lives. If you don't need the cork, if you don't maybe need or you've already got the anchor, you've already got the word, the only thing left you need is the wind to blow. That wind is still blowing. The wind is blowing again. If you just take the time and raise your sails to the heavens and say, here I am, let the wind blow. If you need the cork, it's the word. If you need the anchor, it's still Jesus. If you need the wind, that spirit from Almighty God, it's still blowing in the day we live, and it will take you to the destiny that God has outlined for you. Let me take a break. When I come back, we will uh, go through the Quran, and then we'll go through the Bible in a trillion years. Hold on just a second. Your chest is beating. Your heart is pounding. Your blood is flowing. Your mind is pacing 100 miles an hour. Can you do it? Can you get away with it? Then you remember. You put on the great escape shoes this morning. You can run like the wind. And better yet, no traceable steps to find you. You can run through the forest, past the trees, to the other side of the woods. And the gay friend that asked you to go camping will never find you again. And your choice to wear your great escape shoes has saved you yet once again. And there it is, folks, the car crash, the collision, if you will, of Islam and Christianity, or Chrislam, or Islam and Judaism, or uh, Jewism. <laughs> anyway, we are going through the Quran. We are in the second chapter, what they refer to in English as the cow. We're going to pick up at verse number 43 
of the second chapter, and this is what it says. And perform assault or uh, and give Zadok and uh, Arica, i.e. bow down or submit yourselves with obedience to Allah, along with uh, Arakim, and join you piety and righteousness and each and every act of obedience to Allah on the people and you forget to practice it yourselves while you recite the scriptures, the Torah, and have you then no sense and seek help and patience and the prayer and truly it is extremely heavy and hard except for uh, the true believers in Allah, those who obey Allah with full submission, fear much from his punishment and believe in his promise in paradise and in his warnings or hell. They are those who are certain that they are going to meet their Lord and that unto him they are going to return. Now remember what we are doing because some have said that Christianity and Islam is there's many different ways to God. We are looking to see if the God of Islam, if Allah, is the same God as Jehovah in the Old Testament. If Allah is the same as Jesus Christ in the New Testament, we are looking to see whether or not this is the same God or if there is any similarities. I find, however, a lot more similarities between Allah and satanic ritual than I do in the Jesus of the New Testament and Jehovah of the Torah. So we're going to look at it a little closer. We're going to bring it a little closer to home. Verse number 43, he says, now if we were to back up, basically he is coming after anybody who is not worshiping Allah. And mix not truth with falsehood. That's verse 42. That was the uh, previous podcast. Nor conceal the truth. Muhammad, peace be unto him, is Allah's messenger, and his qualities are written in your scriptures, the Torah, and the gospel, while you know the truth. And so this is really the crux. This is, he's aiming at Christians and Jews. And he says, and perform, verse 43, and give Zadok and bow down or submit yourselves with obedience to Allah. The problem we have with that in Judaism is Allah is not the same as Jehovah. It is not the same God. They claim to be monotheistic, and I don't have a problem with that. I appreciate anybody that's monotheistic that firmly believes there's only one God. However, this is not the same God as Jehovah. Because the God of Jehovah, Jehovah God, that God is very jealous, but you can't help but see his mercy over and over and over again, and his grace and the compassion that he wants his people to have. And you can't help but see it again in the New Testament with Jesus. And so here he says, bow down with obedience to Allah. Now the Bible does say that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But Jesus and Allah are not the same Lord. Verse 44 said, enjoin you, piety, righteousness, each and every act of obedience to Allah as a people and you forget to practice it yourselves while you recite the scriptures, the Torah, and have then no sense. Now get this, enjoin you, piety and righteousness and each and every act of obedience to Allah 
Now, what is obedience to Allah? We saw in the first chapter and the beginning of the second chapter that jihad is a part of the obedience to Allah. Flying planes into twin towers and killing 3,000 people is what they consider obedience to their God. That is not, by any stretch of the imagination, Christianity. It is not, by any stretch of the imagination, Judaism. Matter of fact, you go and read Judaism, and you, and you go back and read the Torah, and you're going to find that Judaism actually believes in treating the stranger very well. It believes in treating the widows and the orphans very well. There's, there's strict rules for how you're going to treat women. And it's nothing like what the Quran says and how they need or view the treating of women. It's not the same God. Just not the same God. As a matter of fact, next couple days I had somebody send me a website. I go ahead and tell you it was our non-transvestite NSA operative sent us sent me a website because President Obama has come out and said that Judaism or excuse me that Islam was very instrumental in forming this great nation. So what does history say about Islam forming this great nation? So we're going to go through, we're going to take some time in the next short while and go through and see what exactly Islam has given America beside grief and heartache. We'll see. He said, enjoying your piety, piety, righteousness in each and every act of obedience to Allah and the people and you forget to practice it. So Christians and Jews, you're not practicing you forget to practice yourselves while you recite the scriptures, the Torah. You then have no sense. You have no sense because you refuse to worship Allah. See, even they recognize, the Muslims themselves recognize that it's not the same God. If it was the same God, there would be no need to come out and say that you don't worship and you've ignored it. You have no sense. There would be no need for that. Let's go on, verse 45. And seek help and patience, prayer, and truly it is extremely heavy and hard except for the true believers in Allah, those who obey Allah with full submission, much fear, or fear much from his punishment, and believe in his promise. You see right there, if we're talking about Jesus, we're going to see it's exactly the opposite. If we're going to talk about Jehovah of the Old Testament, we're going to see it's exactly the opposite because he's always going to put the promise first. It's only in human nature that we put the punishment first. It's only the flesh nature. It's only hell. We put the punishment before the promise. The Quran puts the punishment before the promise. Fear much from his punishment and believe in his promise, paradise, and in his warnings, hell, and etc. They are those who are certain that they are going to meet their Lord and that unto him they are going to return. Again, nothing but a doctrine of devils. 
Dear God, help us to see clearly what thus saith the word of the Lord and what false doctrine there is out there that will and has deceived many. Let me take a break. When I come back, we'll go through the Bible in a trillion years. Hold on just a second. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalts as a nation, but see as a reproach to any people. And we are back. And we're about to go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. We're in Genesis, Genesis chapter 38. We're going to pick up at verse number 11. Today, though, we're only going to do verse number 11. Let me explain. There is too much to the story for us to be able to cover and uh, do it justice in this podcast in the time that we have remaining. So we're only going to do verse number 11. The Bible says this, Genesis chapter 38, verse number 11. Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house till Shelah, my son, be grown. For he said, Lest preadventure he die also, as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. So if we're going to back up, you'll see where Tamar has was married to Ur, but Ur was evil in the sight of the Lord, and so the Lord slew him. And Judah says that there's got to be a son, there's got to be a child, there's got to be offspring for Ur. And so he then goes to Onan, and Onan goes in unto her. But Onan, realizing that the seed that is given to her will not be his, but will be his departed brother's, he is then steals or allows the seed to fall to the ground. So he does not impregnate her. And God has wrath and anger against Onan and strikes him dead. We spent a little time in the last podcast talking about that. We've seen many people where if it, they don't get the credit, if they don't get the glory, they want no part of it. And where we need to be kingdom-minded and not self-minded, not self-centered, which is exactly what happened with Onan. And so now dad promises another boy. He promises somebody else. I got the third one, but he's still young. Let me uh, give him time to grow up, to mature. And I don't want him to die yet. <laughs> I've already lost the other two. Please give me a little uh, space for him to mature. And then you two can get together and he will raise seed to his brother heir. But there is one problem with this because Proverbs chapter 13 says something interesting. Verse number 12 it says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Tamar in the next podcast or so, we're going to see where Tamar has now set out to deceive her father-in-law, to carry seed by the family one way or another. 
And at first, the father-in-law is upset. Judah's angry because he finds out that the widow of his sons is pregnant. And then finds out that he's the father. Oops. <laughs> Can't be as mad as I thought. Now, why is this the case? Why would she take this route when he realizes that it's him? His heart melts. He changes. His heart of stone becomes a heart of flesh again. And he recognizes that it was his doing. But why would she, why would Tamar, and Tamar, poor Tamar, gets a bad rap for this story. But hope deferred maketh the heart sick. How many times has God done something in our lives? Or we've got a promise from God, but we never seem to see it fulfilled. We've got a promise from God, and the one we thought that God would use to give us the promise, air, was not the will of God, and so God would remove air. And now, here comes another hope for the promise that he's given to us. But oh man, is so wrapped up in himself, he can't see beyond it. And so the one we thought that God would use for our hope, for the dream, we see that die. And now, where are we? We've lost air, we've lost Onan, and we're promised another one. But our hope is deferred because it's just not time yet. And we wait, and we wait, and we wait. And it seems like the time never arrives. It's never time. The time is never right. Tamar gets a bad rap. But if we're going to be honest with each other, I've tried to make things happen before because I wasn't happy with the speed of the promises that God spoke into my life. If you're going to be honest, you probably have done the same thing yourself. That he gave you some things maybe in prayer, maybe in meditation, maybe in his word. There were some things that were very clear that he spoke to you. But through the process of time, every chance you had for that hope to come to pass, every prayer, every heir, every onan, every one of them has now been slain. And you look around and you're asking yourself the question, my hope is deferred. My hope has been deferred for a long time. And my heart is sick. My heart is sick because of the deferred hope. I've seen it happen with people in their relationships. I've seen it happen with jobs. I've seen it happen in ministry. Oh, for myself, I've been there. But you see, God doesn't look at things the way you and I look at them. And God is not like Judah. Judah, as a matter of fact, later comes on, comes out and says, Tamar did this because she knew I would never give my last son to her. But God is not like Judah. If God made you a promise, he will bring it to pass. The only difference is we've got to have enough sense that that hope that he's given us, that we hold on to it and not allow it 
or the deferring of it to make us sick. When the desire cometh, it's a tree of life. When God does finally bring it to pass, looking back at my ministry, hope deferred makes me sick. <laughs> oh, is that ever was that ever the case? For years and years, hope deferred made me sick. But when God came through, and he always does, not my timetable, not my schedule, that doesn't mean that he's not going to come through, just not when you thought he would. His time is always perfect. Looking back, if it would have been on my time frame, in my timetable, it would have been well too early. The ministry that God gave me now would have never amounted to a hill of beans. I wouldn't have appreciated it. I would have wasted it. And I would have made horrible, horrible decisions. Hope deferred made the heart sick, true. But when the desire came, there was a tree of life. And God used that deferred hope to build something in me. So Tamar, here she is. She is waiting patiently. Tamar is waiting for the hope, for the promise, recognizing that it will never come. And so we're going to see later on, she's going to take issue. She's going to take matters into her own hands and complicate a situation. Complicate her dilemma and make things a little awkward. How many times have we done that? Hope thou in God. If you've got hope in him, just hold on. He's not like Judah. He's not going to fail you. He's going to come through. He always has and he always will. Thank you so much for listening. I'm running out of time, so we will talk to you later.